0: We never stop here at Money's Crazy Mind. Episode 2 for this week is happening right now. In the words of D-Generation X, break it down. Warning, Money's Crazy Mind contains language that may not be suitable for all listeners. Discretion is advised, but will
1: be completely
0: ignored. Welcome to the podcast about everything and nothing, all at the same time. This is Money's Crazy Minds. All right, all right, yeah, what's up everybody? Hello, good moment to everybody out there in podcast land. Welcome to episode two for this week. It's a crazy week here at Money's Crazy Mind. Just as soon as Bill and Ted faced the music went live to the world, Metallica dropped S M to a concert and an album I have been waiting twenty fucking years for. SM is probably by far my all-time favorite Metallica album. Only because it collaborated two things that no one would ever think should be collaborated. Orchestration music and heavy metal. And Metallica did it seamlessly with the help of musician guru Michael Kamen. The man is known for doing the score for Lethal Weapon, Die Hard. Robin Hood, men, uh, not Men in Tights, uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, the one with Kevin Costner and the Bryan Adams song at the end of the movie. But he's famous for doing all of those. But one thing that he ha- is also famous for that not a lot of people know, if you listen to the Black Album and you listen very, very carefully to Nothing Else Matters, There is actually orchestration on Nothing Else Matters. And Michael Kamen was the man who brought us that original orchestration. So who better to collaborate these two things than Guru Michael Kamen. And in the spring of 1999, Metallica got a lot of their fans together, but they also put aside a block of tickets for fans of the actual symphony to come and enjoy this together. And what happened was just, by far, probably one of the greatest musical experiences I've ever heard. I have been waiting and clamoring and hoping that Metallica would try to recreate that magic in some way, and here we are, 20 years later, and we finally get it. Now, I know... You know, back in 1999, when Metallica did the original S&M, shortly thereafter a lot of stuff started happening, where the band started kind of breaking down, and in 2003, unfortunately, Michael Kamen passed on, and it looked as though S&M two was never going to happen. If they were going to do S&M two, I was thinking that they would want to do it with Kamen, since Kamen did such a miraculous job with the original. So now here we are, 20 years later, and Metallica finds this miraculous way of making S&M 2 happen. And a lot of the tickets that were sold for the Chase Center were to Metallica fans, but again, just like they did with the original, there were also tickets that were sold to fans of the symphony. So what I want to do with this is I kind of want to take a look and kind of explain a little bit more of the history of the original S&M, and then we're going to break down the album, the new album, Song by Song, and we'll kind of talk about what I liked, what I didn't like about every song, but also what I liked and didn't like about the entire album. All right, so let's start... With the history of SM1. Now, like I said, the, the history of SM1 started way back in 93 when they were working on the Black album. They had this amazing ballad called Nothing Else Matters that was going to be on the record. And they reached out to Michael Kamen to do a small orchestral piece that would just be in the background. It's almost unnoticeable on the album. But it is the entire song orchestrated. So basically, that kind of started this relationship between Metallica and Michael Kamen. Michael came to them in 1999 and said, I have this wacky, crazy idea, but it'll work where we combine the San Francisco Symphony Orchestra and Metallica and do a concert together. So Michael went off and picked 19, technically, Metallica songs and created an orchestra background for them. Actually, as I say that sentence, it's only 18 Metallica songs because the orchestral background for Nothing Else Matters already existed because of the Black Album. So he took these 18 songs and he wrote these beautiful symphonic pieces for them. which, if you have the the DVD for the original s and concert, you can hear, as an extra track, the orchestra only. And let me tell you, they are spectacular. The way that he did these pieces, you would almost use them as like a movie soundtrack, which given the fact that he's done movie scores in the past, makes sense. The orchestra loved it, Metallica loved it, And it just created this beautiful chemistry. And the concert was probably one of the most well-received, not only by Metallica fans, but also by Symphony fans. They were like, it was very interesting. And Cayman himself even told the guys after the show that this was something new for the orchestra. They had never composed or played music that was composed by people that were still Alive. And not only are they still alive, but they're right there in their faces. So, this was very, very successful for Metallica. And there had always been this rumor that they wanted to do an SM2. But, like I stated, three years after they did the original show, Michael Kamen unfortunately passed away. So, it looked like SM2 was never going to happen. And then. By the grace of God, 20 years later, Metallica said, you know what, we're going to do S&M 2 again. And who better to do it with than with the orchestra that already has history with the band? So here we are. S&M 2 has been birthed onto the world. And obviously, Michael Kamen, who is no longer with us, didn't get a chance to conduct this. But Edwin uh, Outwater and the chairman... Of the San Francisco Symphony Orchestra uh, did fill in and conduct this show. So that's just a little bit of a history of SM. And, you know, kind of how SM2 came to be. It would, basically it's just it's the 20th anniversary. Let's do it again. Metallica had a couple little caveats that they kind of wanted to happen during this show though they thought that the orchestra took over way too much in the original S&M, so they wanted the orchestra toned down a little bit so if you listen to snm2 you're going to notice some things and i'll talk about those things because it's actually one of my gripes about SM once we start breaking down the songs one by one we're going to take a quick break here on Money's Crazy Mind. We're going to advertise another podcast that we do here on the Money's Crazy Mind Podcast Network. We'll be right back. Are you troubled by strange noises in the middle of the night? Well, then you're here at the right place. Slime Square, the official podcast of the Northeast Ohio Ghostbusters. We talk anything Ghostbusters, toys, video games, movies, movies, anything and everything ghostbusters you can find right here on money's crazy mind you ever wanted to make your own ghostbusters flight suit we can even help you out with that where to find the greatest and latest ghostbusters gear right here every week on slime square and we're even throwing in some of our own personal paranormal investigation and elimination stories tune in every week All right, welcome back to Money's Crazy Mind. Don't forget to check out Slime Square, the official podcast of the Northeast Ohio Ghostbusters, right here every week on Money's Crazy Mind Podcast Network. I'm very proud of that show. I'm having a lot of fun doing it, and I'm so thankful. That the Northeast Ohio Ghostbusters have given me the opportunity to do it. Um, I am a member of the Northeast Ohio Ghostbusters, but it, it's always fun to sit there and kind of just have one topic of conversation every week instead of trying to come up with new topics every week. I mean, there's 36 years of Ghostbusters to talk about, so there's always something new that we can talk about. But let's get back to the topic at hand here SM2. On a scale of 10, I give SM2 a 10. Even with all of its imperfections, with all of its flaws, or at least what I think are imperfections and flaws, again, it's just my opinion. I still think that the album is damn near perfect. It kept me entertained from the second I turned it on until the second it was over. And even though there were some things that I'm just like, okay, you know, been there, done that. I still liked hearing the changes and the updates done to some of those things. My gripe with the album as a whole is, yes, it's 20 years later. And there's not much new Metallica material in 20 years. Believe it or not, there is not much new material in 20 years. Some bands would sit there and be like, Shit, you want this album, this album, this album, this album, this album. Literally, Metallica had three. Saint Anger, Death Magnetic, and Hardwired to Self-Destruct. You have 11 songs on St. Anger, 10 on Death Magnetic, and 13, including Lords of Summer, on Hardwired to Self-Destruct. So you've got 34 songs of material, and you're only doing 20. So yes, you could have come up with 19 new songs. And I say 19. Uh, and we'll get into that in a minute. But I say 19 because they did another song. To start the show. Um, that they use for all of their concerts. So technically they could have done 19 new songs. Instead. We got 6. So that's my big major gripe. Is you're doing sm 2. But in reality, it's kind of more S&M Redo. And you did six different songs. But that's my only gripe. As a whole, this album was spectacular. And by the time we get into Act 2, they almost had me... Well, they did have me in tears at one point. But I was so into what they were doing that... Even though the last five songs on the concert were songs from the original s and I still was just like, I gotta hear how they end this. I gotta hear how they end this. And that is the sign of a good record. Now, much like I did with Bill and Ted Face the Music, I went into this with this feeling of, yes, s and is... ...is one of my all-time favorite Metallica projects. But I want to go into this with fresh ears. So I forgot that s ever happened. I forgot that I'm a Metallica fan. Even though by the time they got to Halo on Fire... ...I was singing along. Because you can't just turn off your entire brain... And say, I don't know shit all from Metallica because they have 30 some odd years, well, actually almost 40 years of history. So, as unbiased as I wanted to be, a little bit of that, oh my god, it's it's fucking SM2 kept creeping in. But for the most part, SM2 does exactly what it needed to do. It reignited that passion for SM. So now, let's take this apart song by song, and then we'll kind of wrap it here. You know, I did two half-hour episodes this week. I think that's where I kind of want to leave it. You know, an hour worth of material just split into two different episodes. So the first song is a Metallica staple whenever they're live. You can listen to just about any live album or any live concert. That Metallica puts out on their website for sale. And you will hear this song at the beginning. It's Eno Morcone's ecstasy of gold from the movie The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Metallica has used this song to open their concerts forever. This time played live by the San Francisco Symphony Orchestra just like it was for the original S&M. So nothing new there call a cthulhu i give this a 10 out of 10. it was recorded for the original S and they used uh michael Kamen's uh orchestration for this it sounded just like it did on M one for whom the bell tolls this again was on the original snm but this time they did something that just made it sound better than it did on the original SNM. I loved how For Whom the Bell Tolls sounded here on SNM2. I gave it a 15 out of 10 just because they made it sound so much cooler than the original. Now again, they used Michael Kamen's original orchestration. But Metallica and the and uh, Edwin Outwater found a creative new way ...to make this sound better. First new song that we get... ...out of this entire two and a half hour concert... ...The Day That Never Comes. Now I have nothing to gauge this against... ...because this is a new song for s and 2. It's off the album Death Magnetic... ...which we all know. And the orchestration on this... ...is where you start to notice the differences... ...between what Michael Kamen did back in 1999 with all the songs that they had on the original S&M and what Edwin Outwater... I keep wanting to call him Atwater, but his name was Outwater, and the new people involved with the San Francisco Symphony Orchestra did for the new tracks for this show. The orchestration was not its own piece of music that you could turn off Metallica and have this cool piece of music. It basically just enhanced everything that Metallica was playing. Now, the orchestra did play the intro to Day That Never Comes by themselves. And then at a certain point, you know, Lars kicks in with the drums, Kirk and uh, James kick in with the guitars. And then when it comes down time for it, you know, there goes Rob with the bass. And then like, you just hear like these little flourishes and these little pickups and everything for the orchestra as it goes on. I still really loved the way it sounded. I think Day That Never Comes is definitely a song that fits in this style, being as how it is technically a mashup with the orchestra. So I gave this one a 10 out of 10. I just loved how it sounded. It was so cool. And I definitely think that this is one of the songs that fits in this style. Alright, the next track up here on Act 1 is The Memory Remains. Again, a repeated song from the original s and So the Michael Kamen orchestration, it's all the same. The way Metallica plays it, it's always the same. So I gave this one a 10 out of 10 because it sounded as good as it did on the original. So, you're going to notice that if the songs were on the original SM and as long as they sounded almost exactly like they did, I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10. If it sounded better than it did, it's going to get a higher score than a 10 because they did something better than what was already perfect, in my opinion. Second new song of the night Confusion. They used the intro that they always use the, for Whom the Bell Tolls. Just Lars on the kick drum. Dun, 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 dun. And then it goes into Confusion. They always use it for, for Whom the Bell Tolls, but this time they use it for Confusion. So I give them kudos for that. Confusion, I didn't think it would fit in this feel. Because it's definitely a little bit of a heavier song from Hardwired. But they did a phenomenal job incorporating the orchestration into it again. So, this is a new one, this is an outwater and the new people involved creation. So, it's not a full symphonic piece that you can turn off Metallica to. So, but what they did to enhance the song and bring the orchestra into it, phenomenal 10 out of 10. Third new song, Moth into Flame. Wow is all I gotta say. It was awesome. The orchestration fit perfectly with it. The song just... It sounded a lot better. The only thing that I think that they could have done a little bit differently that I think would have made put it, put it over this plateau to where it probably could have gotten like an 11 out of 10 instead of a 10 out of 10 would be at that part where, you know, near the end of the song, right before the, the, the uh, solo... When James is going, you know, like a moth into the flame, burn. If they would have just added some, like, orchestral punch right there, I think that would have just made it that much of a better song. But still, it sounded great in this feel. Another one that I didn't think would fit in this feel, but they did a phenomenal job with it. So, actually, I'm giving this one a 9 out of 10 because I think that they could have had that little burn punch. Alright, so another repeat from the original SM Outlaw Torn. They did a new introduction to this that is different from the original, and I loved it. So this one got actually an 11 out of 10 because they were able to make it better than the original. Here's where I don't know if the orchestra was just getting tired or if it was just, you know, ru- uh, what they call in the wrestling business ring rust. Uh, from somebody that's taken a break for a while. So I don't know if it's just because they haven't played this song in like 18, 19 years. Or what the hell was going on here. But one of my favorite songs from the original S&M, No Leaf Clover. Something was very, very wrong here. And I couldn't put my hand on it. And I listened to it quite a few times. To try to figure out what it was. It's like James's vocals were off. It seemed like either the orchestra or Metallica was trying to play catch-up with each other. I I, I, I don't know. Um, and I'm very disappointed because, like I said, this is one of my all-time favorite songs from the original s I listened to it over headphones. Very nice stereo J-Lab headphones. I listened to it over my uh, Yamaha Dolby Audio... Uh, 5.1 system. I listened to it in my car. I listened to it on my soundbar in my living room. And every time it I like, I kept picking up on different little things. So there was just a lot of stuff wrong with this song. Sync issues with them and the orchestra. James's lyrics and vocals were way off. Like I, I just so many things were wrong with this. So I had to give it a 5 out of 10. Here's where a little bit of fanboy in me kicked in. Halo on Fire, the third, fourth new song for this new s and Halo on Fire is one of my favorite songs off of Hardwired. And again, I think it is a song that fits perfect in this kind of feel where you can integrate the orchestra in strange and amazing ways. And they did just that i gave it a 20 out of 10 because this song was just simply mind-blowing amazing with the orchestration background on it again i kind of wish that they had found a way to kind of incorporate the orchestra a little bit more with these new songs like make it a little bit more symphonic where you can turn off the metallica and just listen to a great piece of symphonic music but metallica didn't want it that way gotta give these guys a little bit of credit here they've been doing this for a very long time but that is also a little bit of an ego move and if anybody that is involved with metallica is hearing this tell the boys i said so all right so that's the end of act one they take a break come back out uh, new conductor, the man in charge of the entire symphony orchestra, Michael Tilson Thomas, came out to conduct Act Two. We open it up with um, a special announcement from the San Francisco Symphony, thanking you know all the great Metallica fans, and then they do something that is very different from the original S and M. Metallica takes a break, and the orchestra goes solo. Amazing. They do something called the Synthian Suite, the second movement. Um, It's weird. It's kooky. (laughs) It's a little scary in some places, you know, just by the musical tonage and everything. So it fits in perfectly at a Metallica concert. So I'm glad that they chose to do this. Give the orchestra their chance to shine, without the Metallica bubble. So that was really cool. But what they did next blew me out of the water. This next group of songs is what sold me on this entire show. The next song that they do is a piece of music by a man named Alexander Mazalov, a Russian conductor And this song came out in around 1926, 1927. You know, we weren't in the best of relationship with Russia back then, so getting a time frame of when it was actually recorded um, is a little difficult. But they have it listed as around that time. The song is called Iron Foundry. And Michael brings Metallica back into it. And they play the song together. And this is such a weird and kooky piece of music that it almost sounds like it would be something performed today by, like, you know, uh, an electronic band. A band kind of more like um, Rammstein, uh, just to kind of put it in perspective. So it was really cool. Really cool, and it sounded amazing. So I give that one a 10 out of 10. First time Metallica's ever played this song, and I hope that they do a studio version of it with the orchestra still in the background. I think it would be an excellent uh, instrumental piece on a future Metallica record. Here's where that son of a bitch, James Hetfield, had me in tears. I am a huge Metallica fan. I suffer from depression. I suffer from anxiety. And a lot of members of my family suffer from addiction. Knowing that Unforgiven 3 was kind of James's opus about his struggles. You know, that song's always meant a lot to me. All three Unforgivens actually have a really special place um, in my history. Metallica still um, is taking a little bit of a break. Like, they just played Iron Foundry, but then Kirk... Lars and Rob leave the stage, leaving just James and the orchestra, and they start playing Unforgiven 3. Now, listening to this and hearing how they interpreted Unforgiven 3 is a perfect example of what Michael Kamen was able to do in 1999 with the 19 Metallica songs that he hand-selected for the original SM. This is probably one of the most emotional performances I have ever heard in my life from Metallica. And there are some points that I've heard from people that have seen the the Blu-ray. Unfortunately, mine won't be here until September. That you can actually see James crying while he's singing this song with just the orchestra. Moving on, the band takes the stage again, but they're not plugging in. The next song that they do is all within my hands, but they do it acoustically, completely changing the tone of that song, and oh my god, just thinking about it again. Is giving me goosebumps. Do yourself a favor and if you haven't bought the CD already, buy the CD for fuck's sake. But check out the, the live performance of those two songs. If any from Unforgiven 3, Unforgiven or uh SM2, check out Unforgiven 3 and All Within My Hands. They are amazing. Moving on. This next song, they bring out a member of the San Francisco Symphony Orchestra who was a bass player, who was highly influenced and was a huge fan of Cliff Burton's. And anybody that knows Metallica's history knows how important Cliff was to the beginning part of this band. And... They do something that I never would have thought would have happened. In an orchestra, obviously, the bass is a stand-up, you know, the big booming bass. The next song that they perform is Anesthesia pulling teeth with this guy on a stand-up bass. They managed somehow, I don't know how they did it, I have to see the concert video, um to get the distortion in there from Cliff's electric bass. And then the band takes over and assists in closing out the rest of anesthesia pulling teeth. So that whole section of the concert anesthesia, all within my hands, unforgiven to iron foundry, 20 out of 10. This is the part of the show that sold me on it and then they go into wherever i may roam i you know it sounds just as good as it did on the original snm 10 out of 10 there one gets a 12 out of 10 because they changed the intro and the new intro is actually really cool sounding uh master of puppets is up next again from the original snm so all these have the original michael Kamen. Uh, orchestration backing them. They all sound phenomenal. Nothing Else Matters is a song that is very, very personal to me. And unfortunately, something very negative happened to me, and I haven't been able to listen to this song in almost 12 years. And now, finally, 12 years after this horrible thing happened in my life, I'm able to appreciate this song for everything that it is. They made some changes, you know, and Metallica plays this song actually a little bit differently now when they do it live. Uh, I did have the the honor of seeing Metallica live earlier last year um, in February here in my hometown, and I noticed that Nothing Else Matters was even a little bit different then. So with the changes that they made and the updates that they make with the way that they play it live... S, uh, uh, Nothing Else Matters sounds just as good as it did on the original s and And then, of course, they close it out with everyone's favorite Metallica song, Enter Sandman. Again, I'm going to give this one a 9 out of 10. A, I'm a little bit tired of Enter Sandman, but the orchestra seemed a little off on this one. I don't think that they maybe could put it all together the right way. And again, it's it's Michael Kamen's orchestration, and the orchestration sounded really, really cool on the original SNM for Enter Sandman, but they ended it with like the frayed ends of Sanity outro. So that that was actually pretty cool. But still, because of the little bit of a misstep on the orchestration part, I have to give it a nine out of ten. What what's going? Well, Ladies and gentlemen, it looks like we're going to have a little bit of a special guest uh, here on this SM episode of Money's Crazy Mind. I'm getting a a, a, a Skype call here, so uh, let's bring this guy on the show. All right, so Gus Anselmo decided to join me uh, here tonight to talk SM2. And I got to say, man. I didn't think anything could top the original S&M and Metallica outdid themselves with S&M2, man.
1: In terms of release, uh, couldn't be a better package. Couldn't be a better uh, hype machine. Uh, Of course, we're living in a digital age. It's a lot more marketing, a lot more capabilities, a lot more options to the market. Mm -hmm. Uh, I got the box set, so I saw this is incredible. Um, my wife surprised me with the box set. Actually, she saved up. She knew it was coming, and I, <clears throat> I popped the DVD, the Blu-ray in. And, oh, uh, so you got your Blu-ray already? I did. I got the whole box set um, on the 27th, the day before the release date. They shipped them out. They sent me an email saying, like, in the middle of the month, saying that they were going to be shipping them out early, so make sure everybody got them by, re- by the re- by the launch date. And I got the day before launch, and it just it blew my mind. Uh, the vinyl is incredible. It plays great. My favorite track on the whole. Album, <clears throat> um, quick statement though, I do have a little bit of a preference for the original. Mm-hmm. Um, I for three three reasons. One, I prefer Robert Trujillo and Metallica. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I do love Jason's backup vocals when yes. he was in For the S&M album in particular, he knew how to throw that backing vocals, mm-hmm. and I know it's something that um, James probably may have been distracted by a little bit over the years as Jason's vocals became more prominent on the live aspect. Um, but overall, uh, Robert brings a vitality to the band and a unity and cohesion. So it's like a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Jason provided that extra power behind the backing vocals, but Robert brings the band a sense of life to it, and I love his finger picking. The bass mm-hmm. just makes sense. Um, my favorite performance on the whole thing is uh, the Unforgiven Three. Yes, it's one of my top. It's one of my top three favorite songs of all time by anybody, and and the performance on the Blu-ray. Let me just say that. Um, I mean, the, the whole story is told in James Hetfield's eyes. I mean, he put his soul into that performance. Honestly, it gave me chills to the point where seeing him, uh, he, he, you felt all the emotion in his voice, but it made you feel good watching it, like, in a sense of respect and pride. Mm-hmm. And um, the, song, the song itself is so important to him because it's a self-reflection. Yes, and um, being that it was one of the final big performances before his last stint in rehab, it was, it was a very powerful moment. You can actually kind of see... I really don't want to spoil it, but there's a moment he's like tears in his eyes kind of towards the end when he's doing the forgive me, forgive mm-hmm. me not, why can't I forgive me? When he says that, you can see the tears in his eyes and, and the po- emotional power in his face, his eyes, and in his voice. It just honestly, it's one of the it's one of the two greatest it's tied for like the best one of the best performances I've seen in my entire life. The other being um, when when um Hart did the Kennedy Center honors for Led Zeppelin when they did Stairway to Heaven.
0: Okay.
1: Ann Wilson's performance put obama in tears uh and robert plant and the whole all of led zeppelin were just floored and i was just i was just i couldn't believe it um that i found something that rivaled that
0: so let me ask you uh let me ask you this um the one thing that i was kind of disappointed with was the fact that you know we had eight new songs but only six of them were metallica songs you know, because you had the Iron Foundry, which was them, and the San Francisco Symphony. And then you had them right. doing the, the Synthian Suite, which, mm-hmm. which was just the orchestra only. Which, nice touch, adding just an orchestra only track to the... It's like a, a, it's like a here's the floor for you guys, mm-hmm. type thing. Right. Which was cool. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, were you disappointed yeah. that we only got eight new tracks? I mean, like, when you hear s m 2... Like, I was expecting 20 new Metallica songs. With the symphony, right. Right.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Because I found a little bit of a a taste of what some of the other stuff would have with the symphony. Mm -hmm. And that was, um, there's a group on YouTube called Scream Inc. Okay. And they are a European band who actually used a European orchestra Mm -hmm. and played with them. And what happened was... They did Unforgiven 2. Mm. Oh my God, phenomenal! You have to look them up. They mm. did a whole bunch of other classics and some stuff you wouldn't expect, and it was just it was just really good. And they hit note for note uh, S and M one pretty cool. much. Cool. The backing vocals, lead vocals. Mm. It was just very, very shocking mm. um, to see how good they were. Um, but I was shocked that they did No Leaf Clover, but not. Um, um but not minus human. Uh, minus human. Yeah. I'm glad you called that too. Cause some people call it human. I call it minus human cause that's what he says in the song. And there's a minus in the title, you know, on the list. Well, and, and even um, on
0: the, on the DVD, um, for the original yeah. S and he says, that's a brand new one for you called minus human. There
1: you go. So um, I want official studio. People have made studio versions of those two songs on mm-hmm. YouTube. Um, that are pretty much the the real deal. Mm. They sound great, they look great, um, they branched it great.
0: I think so, Iron Foundry mm. would actually be a pretty good one to take into the studio with the symphony like, like though. Awesome. Like do like a seventy five like do like a seventy five piece version of the mm-hmm. symphony and do Definitely. Metallica and have them release that on like an album as a as an instrumental. Mm-hmm. I think that would be awesome. Now back to No Leaf Clover. Was it just me, or was something way off about that song? It felt a little,
1: the tempo was a bit off. Uh, I felt like they were, or the symphony was, trying to keep pace with each other in that song in particular, and only that one I felt like there was a...
0: Huge uh, disconnect.
1: Yes, but it was a race of pace that didn't add up that led to a huge disconnect. I liked it, I enjoyed it. Hetfield brought the best out in that, so it's reserved. Really? Um, yeah, well, he's one that saved it.
0: See, f- for uh, me, of, it almost—he brought out. It, it almost, he, he it, it almost his... sounded like Metallica hasn't per- performed that song since the original S and M, and it's almost like they forgot how to play it. And obviously, Robert Trujillo's never played it because he wasn't in the band back when they did No Leaf Clover originally. So right. I mean, to me, it just seems sloppy, and like it was like the worst song out of the entire two and a half hour show. Um,
1: yeah, I guess so. I think so because because if you're putting it up to the original, yes. Mm-hmm. However, um, more more uh, reason why I agree with you is I did hear it on the 30th anniversary concerts. There was four shows. Remember, those mm-hmm. were phenomenal. They did No Leaf Clover. It was fantastic. I think that might have been band-only, too. Possibly. I'm not sure if they brought guests up. Like a few orchestra members or mm-hmm. if it was just Metallica. I
0: can't remember. I mean, they've, they've done, done it Metallica only because they did it as part of the Summer Sanitarium, yeah. too, where after right. So mm-hmm. They've done it Metallica only. So Right.
1: Um, so my thing is this. Anesthesia was well, phenomenal. Oh. Um, when, when, when Lars comes up, Dude, it was great. They they, they see him kicking. The look on his face mm. when you see it, it's like a kid. Like like he's like he's in his youth again, man. He's like he's like a child again. You know, it's it's feeling good. You can tell it felt yeah. good. Now I
0: have not seen um, the actual concert yet because when I ordered it, it told me that it wasn't going to ship out the Blu-ray. Oh, I mean, well, it's ridiculous. I hope it's September just
1: a bad A lot of our packages uh, to my personal residence, I've been seeing with um hardcore. Like lengthy, like I'm supposed. To, I was supposed to get my watch bezel for my Galaxy Watch. I'm supposed to get it November 27th. They said
0: it arrived like the other day. <laughs> well, I mean, the funny so, thing is, is like you know, I'm I'm, I'm hoping you get it sooner. Uh, that yeah, that ain't gonna happen because I'm on the Met store right now and click on S M Blu-ray. Please note, this is a pre-order purchase. And it will oh. not be available until September twenty first,
1: which is strange because it was it's been pre orderable, but it's already been released. Why would they put a pre order again? I guess because in batches because to tee up the demand. But man, they did an outstanding job on um, yeah. anesthesia. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But um. What, what is that? Wherever I May Roam, wherever I May Roam, that's one that I really enjoyed better on this record than even the freaking original. And oh, S&M. yeah. I know it's Travis, saying Oh, no, no, that no, 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 I, no.
0: I actually agree with you, dude, because, like, Call of Cthulhu, For Whom the Bell Tolls, yeah. um, Outlaw great. Torn. Um,
1: I, I prefer the original Outlaw from S&M and the album version. Mm. I did think it was like a re- it felt like a retread just like yeah. sandman i prefer sandman outlaw and sad but true i prefer those on the original snm i felt like the orchestra the only thing i didn't like about the orchestra on this one i felt like the orchestra was downplayed a little bit and metallica yes was a little bit more to the forefront mm-hmm. i felt like i was like searching for the orchestra a little bit in mm-hmm. some parts of the whole performance but once yes. i got the official audio and video it sounded mix was better but like the early release Mm -hmm. didn't go
0: now unforgiven okay so i'm just gonna say this iron foundry unforgiven three all within my hands and anesthesia pulling teeth were Mm -hmm. like the highlight of this entire album yes and it
1: was all in the same section Mm -hmm. and it was i think it's all in the same vinyl
0: yeah, um, side it, well i i i have this the digital so it's it's all just one big file for me but oh yeah i did, um, yeah i got the two um but on the cd it's on disc two um but yeah no because yeah, and like so th- those songs are like one af- right after each other and to mm-hmm. me that just felt like the strongest section of the whole concert it was yeah rivaled by halo on fire I enjoyed it a lot, too. Um, I felt like James
1: um, still felt like a little bit like he was trying to find his groove with the beginning Obeys. Whenever he did the Obeys part, mm-hmm. Obey, Obey. But you know um, what? It I was the like... same
0: way because I saw them when they came to um, our hometown, Cleveland, uh, last year. Um, yeah. And it was kind of the same thing with Halo on Fire there. Like, if you listen to the MP3 of the concert... Uh-huh. I don't know if it's just because, like, th- that song's so new to them or it was so new to them by that point or if it's just that's, like, a weird starting spot for him because it's almost, yeah. like, two minutes into the song is when the first note comes out, so. Right, it's like he he finds
1: his own groove, mm-hmm. but for some reason he's got to um pinpoint it and place it. Mm. But I, I really got to hear a stripped-down St. Anger bad one day
0: oh dude like i i was i was thinking like instead of putting cthulhu on there they could have done orion or suicide and redemption yeah like just do something different there um i would love to i think saint anger sweet amber and oh yeah um good uh, the Unnamed Feeling. I think those three songs... That
1: is a classic,
0: yes. ...would fit really well onto like an S&M feel.
1: Even Frantic. I can picture the horns. do 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 like, You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: did you feel... Okay, so obviously Cthulhu, For Whom the Bell Tolls, Memory Remains, yep. Outlaw Torn, mm-hmm. No Leaf Clover... Wherever I may roam, one master puppet's nothing else matters. And enter Sandman. All those songs, the the uh, orchestration was done by the God who was no longer with us, Michael Kamen. And if you listen yeah. to the orchestra only version of that, that it sounds like those are their own songs. Like you could take that and be like, I want to use this for a movie and just stick it in a movie somewhere. With, yep. it, it seemed like with the new songs, whoever composed mm-hmm. them, it was almost like yeah. just enhancing the songs a little bit. Like like you can't just right like section just the orchestra and be like, wow, that sounds like a movie score.
1: And, and I feel like um, in the behind the scenes stuff, mm-hmm. I started. I didn't finish it, but I started watching it, and they did a comparison of the. Yeah, sorry about that. I had to mute it for a second. Um, Anyways, mm. um, so so what happens is I feel like, well, Lars in particular and a couple yeah. other guys were explaining that um, where was I at? <laughs> I just lost my train of thought. Um, oh. that they they felt like the orchestra was more loose with the old original mm. and it felt more con- uh, organized and contained in this one. I think that's what um, they liked is the fact that they were more in control this time and it was more wild than before and I think I think they'll have to find a balance if they do do the S&M 3 mm-hmm. if they do go forward with S&M 3 um, in 10 years as opposed to 20 thank god <laughs> um, that hopefully that's what happens
0: well, you know, and I think, too, I you know, the original S&M, it wasn't the brainchild of Metallica. It was the brainchild of Michael Kamen, you know, and unfortunately, Michael is no longer with us. Um, and I think because Michael has that history of doing film scores like he did Die Hard, he did Lethal Weapon, he did Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, you know, so he's used to making those big, epic, sweeping orchestral Sounds, And I think maybe that's why it sounds more like an actual song on top of the Metallica song, as opposed to, you know, what they did with, um, you know, like Moth Into Flame and Confusion, yeah. where it's kind of just like, you know, we'll enhance this area right here, but it's all, you know, it's still Metallica. But I think the orchestra was given its free reign on the Unforgiven 3 and, yeah. my God, they did a phenomenal job. The
1: Free reign, if it was that, it felt good. It mm-hmm. felt good to see that, especially considering
0: how grave a song it is. Mm. Um, and, and the bass player on uh, Anesthesia, I'm just like, how do they add the distortion pedal to a stand-up bass? Because it sounds like know. it's a stand-up bass. It does.
1: I Like, I... I was stunned by it. And I, they said he knew Cliff in the band, like, back in the day. And it's like, wow, what a cool thing by someone mm-hmm. who actually knew the guy, too.
0: Well, I mean, the harp player from S&M 1, that dude was a straight-on biker.
1: <laughs> oh, I, did. I, t- I totally didn't see, see that, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, if you watch, like, the behind-the-scenes on the DVD for the original s and this dude's yeah. tatted up, he's got muscles, he's a freaking biker, like him and James rode in together the night of the show and everything, I'm like, dude, that's the kind of guy I want playing my harp. <laughs>
1: yeah, hell yeah. But Yeah, so it, it was an awesome record, mm-hmm. um, I know they have like tons of music for an actual new album coming out, they said, Yeah. Um, but being perfectionists, you know. I think it'll actually work in their favor. I think they'll have an album out because not only did they finish songs mm-hmm. during quarantine, mm-hmm. but they um but they have time to mull it over and really get to get through everything. Right. I was just listening to like the Load Reload mm-hmm. uh albums again on my phone. They're not bad. And I was like, no. And I remember you used to, you used to have the tour shirt and mm-hmm. you used to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but but yeah, I remember you had the appreciation for it back in back in high school. Oh and I know I did too. Yeah. But man I was like they still hold up after all this mm-hmm. time. They're so underrated compared to what they what they should be on on the ranking. Yeah, you
0: know. Well, you know, a lot of people shit on St. anger too, and this is something that now I love we... it. It's my favorite. Yeah. You didn't hear that? I know I know I'm gonna get
1: blasphemed mm. across the world hey, for it. You but know
0: what, dude? It... I love it. Let, let me tell i'm and i'm coming out kind of coming out with this um and then we'll wrap it up there um cool that's that album came out the day of my commencement from high school and right,
1: you graduated the year before me that's right yeah
0: and it like for people that don't know how bad my high school experience was i know um All four years of high school, I was picked on, I was bullied, I was treated like absolute garbage. So on the day that I was supposed to graduate high school, the day of my Mm -hmm. commencement, the day I walk across, to have my favorite band put out a CD where the chorus of the second song on the CD, the title track, St. Anger, says, fuck it all and no regrets, I hang the lights on these dark sets, medallion noose, I hang... uh, I hang myself, St. Anger, around my neck. Mm -hmm. Fuck it all and fucking no regrets. I hit the lights on these dark sets, medallion use. You know, and, and like, the second the principal said my name, or the superintendent, I'm sorry, said my name, and I go and walk across that that stage, that is the only thing that popped in my head was the chorus to St. Anger. And I'm sitting here, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, finally, somebody understands the way right. that I've felt for the last four years. And then Invisible Kid, Um yes. Shoot Me unnamed Again. Feeling. Uh, unnamed feeling, um, right there. Even in a way, all within my hands. The unnamed yeah. feeling. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, like, and I'm just like, these are my emotions. And they're finally being told by four men that I have mm-hmm. more respect for than I could ever, ever tell anybody, and I get a lot of shit for liking Sane Anger, and it, it has its problems, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. You know? I love it. It has its problems. That fucking snare drum has got to go. But... It gives <laughs> its, it's own unique touch, that that's why it's memorable.
1: Mm-hmm. Because we will have fondness for it, because we love that album, and because we synonymize that sound with that album. Right. And that's what will always be memorable. That's what people fail to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't have solos, and there are shorter songs, but... But damn it if we don't remember it, people will remember it forever. And I think that's the point that a lot of memorable things try to make. Mm-hmm. You gotta have something memorable and they achieve that. And I think that's where a lot of disconnect is and a lot of people don't realize that. Yeah. You gotta find what's different, but also find what's familiar at the mm-hmm. same time. Yes. Um I was the same way with nine Inch Nails with teeth. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's favorite. It was my personal favorite because that's what got me through a lot of personal yeah um stuff I was dealing with, you know, back in two thousand five. And that was my graduation anthem. Mm-hmm. You know, I was the I was the a little bit angsty, but um I mean I was I was I was pretty cool with everybody. I just I just um inside I was dealing with a lot of a lot of self doubt and stuff about a lot of things at that time. And yeah. uh that album really helped me embrace myself, give me give me that little edge that I needed. Um, and then, like I said, of course, Kiss, Metallica, mm-hmm. Nine Inch Poets of the Fall. Those are the big four era bands of my life. I've seen three of the four of them. I'm blessed to say that. Um, I have not seen Poets of the Fall because they rely on their own creativity and they don't, um, really toward the United States. They played two shows way too far for me and on way too short notice. But I'm holding out hope one day that I'll get to see them in Cleveland, but... Um, oh, same, same with me but, with Ramstein. Yeah, if you ever have a chance, um, I'm spreading the word to everybody now, Post of the Fall, greatest band ever out of Finland. Lordy, of course, is great as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But Post of the Fall changed my life for the better. Um... Anyways, without straying too far off topic, um, okay. Right. Anyways, so on um, a
0: scale yeah. of one to greatest album of all time, where do you rank S and M two?
1: Oh, I see. I I rank live albums separately. Mm-hmm. I still prefer the original S and M um, as the classic, the quintessential right. classic. Um, it's, in terms of live albums, it's up there. Um, it's, uh, it's definitely up there. It's in the top ten live albums of all time for me personally. Um, but my top three live albums ever, I'd say are Nine Nails, uh, three, three-way tie for number one, in no specific order, actually, to be honest. Nine Nails and all that could have been live. Um, S&M, the original. And See There's One Cold Night. Mm. Three of the greatest live albums ever. Another one would be Elsa Chains Unplugged. Um, I'm torn between Kiss Unplugged and and Kiss Symphony because it was so expansive. And um, there's just so many, so many to choose from for live albums. S&M 2 is definitely in that top ten because i like to keep it within my little bubble there
0: yeah so i mean i i go into and this was the same way i went into bill and ted three um Mm -hmm. but i go into everything where like i've never heard a note by any by this band before so that Mm -hmm. way if it's disappointing i can just sit there and be like okay well i'll just it's a bad part of their history um you know so for Which me, it wasn't. well right <laughs> it was so good um so with me going into this completely blind
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know and then just looking at the track list and getting a little discouraged because you know i, th- I wanted there to be more n- new songs but right um you know the second it started and Ooh, i disappear
1: i disappear would have been good too i just realized
0: yeah yeah i disappear would have been a good one all right yeah what were we saying um, you know, the the second Cthulhu started and you just hear that classic Cayman, you know, mm-hmm. score behind it. I'm like, OK, OK. And then, I still prefer the original.
1: Well, right, 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 right.
0: One. Yeah. Right. But then the second The Day That Never Comes started, the first new song on there. Yeah, that was great. I'm sitting here and I'm like, OK, I see what you're doing, Metallica. All right. You got me. You got me. I thought this was just going to be a rehash of the original, but no, you're giving me something new and different. And then when Fresh, it, yeah. right, and then when it got down to you know Unforgiven three and you know the the songs that followed it, I'm like, this just made yeah. it by far the greatest experience I've had with a live album in a long time. You know, just
1: wait, you see the visuals though, and I hope to God you're able to see them either as a full experience mm. or a video on YouTube or something officially well, as soon as as soon get, as it gets get here we'll get goosebumps it's yeah. that good
0: as soon as it gets here i'll 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 definitely that'll be the first thing i'm watching so i'm, I'm a little pissed that you know all of a sudden it's like oh it's a pre-order it's a pre-order and i'm like well mm-hmm. it was supposed to be available that's why i pre-order, waited yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's why i waited but
1: <laughs> it's <a> live album <laughs> right 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 a great one but it's
0: live yeah, yeah um
1: anyways um i in closing mm-hmm. um I'm going to say my thing real quick. Um, I have been in search for one Metallica item my entire life. Um, so I'm going to say it to the world now. If anybody has any scoops, does research, or gives me a heads up on this, there's one t-shirt, and I hope to God somebody in the Metallica camp hears this one day, because I want this statement known. I need the I-E-Y-E. I see the lucky piece. T shirt. The one with the no leaf clover. Mm. Where there's a design on the front and the back. There's a design on the front and the back. I have been searching for that shirt since I was, God, since I was young. Since they released the shirt. Yeah. It's the only, one of the only shirts that you can't find anymore. I think there was one on like Etsy or eBay or something. It sold, but it wouldn't even fit me because it was a smaller size. I need a like 2 or 3X. But if if Metallica can release, they can re release all these shirts. They need to re release the I See the Lucky Piece shirt. It's a necessity, and I need that shirt. It's one of the only things that I can't find that I need my ultimate Metallica search item.
0: Alright. Well, if anybody out there uh knows where Gus can find one of that shirts, uh just go ahead and shoot the podcast a message and I'll pass it along to him. Thanks. Alright, brother. Uh you go enjoy your kids and your night and uh Thanks. Um we'll do this again sometime, man.
1: Yep, and you go enjoy that one for Giving Three again. <laughs> I listen to it multiple times a day. Oh I've been
0: I've been great- I've been listening to that yeah. whole thing just from beginning to end all day, so
1: and I can't credit them enough for making Unforgiven 3. It's one of my top three favorite songs of all time.
0: It's up there. Um, it's up there.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's three. It's it's in my top three. My other two, real quick, um, last, in closing, the last thing I'm going to say. Mm. Top three favorite songs. Nine Inch Nails, All the Love in the World, Poets of the Fall War, and Mattel, because I'm Forgiven 3. Those are my big three favorite songs I've ever loved in my entire life. Anyways, um, you everybody have a good night and uh, keep rocking with that SM2. <laughs> Let's hope for that that time to fly so we can get that SM3. Yep. All right.
0: all right, Enjoy your night, guys. All right. Have a good one, Bye man. Night. Bye. You too. Bye. Look at the crazy shit that just happened, man. <laughs> I mean, I'm in the middle of working on my episode, and my buddy rings me up and he's like, dude, I want to talk SM. So I put him on the show, man. So special guest and you guys got an extra 30 minutes of content that wasn't originally going to be there. But I think that's going to end it for this week. Thank you, Gus, for jumping on the show and just shocking the hell out of me in the process. So, next week, a Fireside Chat episode. And what is a Fireside Chat episode? Well, basically just different topics that come into my head. It could be a What Grinds My Gears moment, or it could just be, I don't know, anything. But that's going to do it for both episodes this week of Money's Crazy Mind. Have a week.